Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live, as always, at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. It's an app that is so easy to acquire. Just go to the iTunes or Google Play stores and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Once you have the app, you can listen to us live or the podcasts are available on demand. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, June the 5th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you had a terrific weekend. We're back for another full week of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Here on WSBT Radio, we are 5 to 7 tonight. And then Tuesday through Friday, we are back to 5 to 6.45 because the South Bend Cubs will be taking on those darn Lansing Lugnuts for the next few nights. So we'll have pregame at 6.45 and the first pitch at 7.05. But tonight... At 7 o'clock with South Bend Idol, it is Cubby Corner here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, coming up on the program this evening, we have our hat trick of opening topics plus a couple of other topics that have just popped up kind of in the breaking news category. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. Very interesting article that... Longtime Notre Dame writer Tim Priester put together for Irish Illustrated, and it was an interview with former 
Notre Dame special teams coach Brian Polian, who spent last year working with Brian Kelly and the family down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, special teams coach for the Tigers. He has now moved on. He's an AD. But he was asked about Notre Dame and facilities and how Notre Dame matches up. And Brian had some very interesting remarks that we'll get to coming up here in just a little bit. The complete article at Irish Illustrated. If you're a subscriber, check it out. Of course, Tim does great work at Irish Illustrated. And what an interesting, interesting piece as Brian Polian kind of calls it as he sees it on Notre Dame facilities. So we'll talk about that article at 5.30. We have our Twitter question of the day to get to right around 5.50. We will pass along the results of Friday's question, which centered around Notre Dame running the football in 2023. And today we'll focus on pass catching by non-wide receivers. That question is already available on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we've got our My 5, the five biggest wins of the weekend. We've got some Indianapolis Colts audio to get to, head coach Sean Steichen and wide receiver Alec Pierce. Their comments have been trumped a little bit by a story that has just come out, part of the breaking news I'll get to coming up here in just a couple of moments. And we will have a batch of sizzler for you to end the program. Our sports wagering segment went 2-2 two and two on Friday, 9-7 and seven last week. We will try to find you four winners tonight, and we will pass along those hopeful winners right around 6.50 here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. So before our hat trick of opening topics, we have two appetizers, I guess, for you. And the first is 2024 five-star defensive lineman, someone that Notre Dame fans, if you follow recruiting, know very, very well. This is an amazing high school defensive lineman that all the big boys in college football want. Justin Scott And recently, he narrowed his schools down to five. And now, he has talked about his number one teams. There are three of them. The Miami Hurricanes, the Georgia Bulldogs, and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So, the Irish, unless things change, and we know in recruiting, never believe anything until it all becomes final. Everybody signs on the dotted line. But it looks like right now... It is Notre Dame taking on Georgia and Miami for this Chicago kid. I would have to imagine this is a sign-and-play guy. You sign him, and you put him right into the battle his freshman year here at Notre Dame. This guy looks amazing on tape. It's hard to imagine he's going to have to sit around at all wherever he ends up going. But right now, hey, it's good to know Notre Dame is in his final three right now. Ohio State was one of the five, if I remember correctly, but they are off the list. So Notre Dame, Miami, and Georgia apparently are the top teams now for 2024 five-star defensive lineman Justin Scott. And our blue and gold reporters have told us the longer this goes on, the better it is for the Fighting Irish. And so now we're moving into June. So that's a good sign that he has not picked a new school as of yet. And the other story that's popping up this afternoon, not a lot of information yet, 
Not a lot of details, but we have some info that is concerning in regard to an Indianapolis Colts player. Now, Sports Handle is a sports wagering site. They came out with this story earlier today. It's gotten to the point where the Colts have had to release a statement saying, we are aware of an NFL investigation, but we have no further comment. So, you know something for real is happening when the Colts don't want to talk about it and say, we'll get back to you later. So, this is what is in the story from Sports Handle. And it reads, amid the NFL's ongoing investigation of a wave of potential violations of its sports betting policy, Sports Handle has learned that a player for the Indianapolis Colts is under investigation for what a source called pervasive wagering activities. The story goes on to say, while the new allegations around the Colts appear to be an isolation to one player, there is evidence the Colts player placed hundreds of wagers the source told Sports Handle on the condition of anonymity, at least some of the wagers were placed on the Colts. Now, we do not know if he he bet against the Colts or bet the Colts to win. Now, at the end of the day, you're still breaking NFL policy by betting on any type of NFL contest. But to put a wager on your own team, even if it's to win, that is an absolute no-no. And if it's against the Colts, then that opens up another interesting storyline. So this information comes about not long after the NFL suspended five players in April for sports gambling violations. Of the five, four violated league policy by placing wagers last season as members of the Detroit Lions. Now, the Athletic has reported the league is investigating another player on the Lions' 2022 roster for a possible gambling violation. Now, the Colts player, according to Sports Handle, may have made the wagers through an account opened by an acquaintance. And this player is not considered a superstar. So it's not like Jonathan Taylor, the great running back for example, or DeForest Buckner, their outstanding interior defensive lineman. He's not a superstar, but according to this story, an ardent NFL fan has probably heard of him, according to the source. Most of the wagering occurred during 2022, with some extending into 2023, and this player is still on the Colts roster, according to the source. So, Indiana Gaming Commission Deputy Director Jenny Reske was contacted. Here is her quote on this situation. I can confirm that we have received information pertaining to this matter and we are following developments. The IGC is not the lead agency because it involves violations of league policy. We will, however, continue to review information as it emerges to see if it requires any regulatory action. So, again, it is one cult player. Reportedly, hundreds of wagers, some of those wagers on his own team, the Indianapolis Colts. We do not know if it was to win or lose. And he is still on the Colts roster, not a superstar, but if you're an average NFL fan, you would be very 
familiar with them. So more than likely, it is a starting player, you would have to imagine, on this Colts football team. Again, the Colts were contacted for comment, and they just said, we are aware of the NFL investigation, and we have no further comment. So this is obviously a major problem right now in the NFL. Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver, came out of Alabama, was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. He was caught wagering and had to sit out a lengthy suspension. He is now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars and ready to reappear in an NFL game this fall with the defending AFC South champion. So it is very easy to wager. It is against league policy to wager. And now we will wait to find out the conclusion of this investigation and which Indianapolis Colts player placed those bets, including placing wagers on his own team. Mm. The drama builds there. We'll find out, I'm sure, pretty quickly which Colt player it is. And we'll be, I think, fascinated to see if the Colts move on from that player or just allow the suspension to take place if found guilty. And they will wait for that suspension to conclude. All right, 518 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That's a pretty good hot topic right there. Here's one for you. Irish Invasion took place over the weekend. Notre Dame football brings in elite football players from across the country for a camp. It's a great opportunity for the players to impress in front of the Notre Dame coaching staff. It's an opportunity for the coaching staff to look at a lot of players maybe they've only seen on film. For the latest on Irish Invasion, make sure you go to to Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, my partners here on the program that do such a great job with recruiting, including Mike Singer, who will be on the program tomorrow during the 6 o'clock hour to talk all about Irish Invasion. But one player to keep in mind, and of course, research at blueandgold.com, kid by the name of Derek Meadows. Apparently he shined over the weekend. Just a three-star recruit in the 2025 class, but this wide receiver is from Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. That is one of the premier football programs in the country. And he is 6'6", 195. So again, a member of the class of 2025 and a player to keep an eye on. Read more about it at blueandgold.com. Also significant over the weekend, Notre Dame got a very important visit from a kid from the Northeast, offensive lineman Gerby Lambert. This is the first time that Lambert has taken a college visit outside of his home state of Massachusetts. Now, he has the luxury of being able just to trot on over to nearby Boston College, where he has visited reportedly a couple of times or several times might be more accurate. But the Irish got Lambert to South Bend this weekend. Now, he still has visits reportedly coming up with Ohio State and Penn State. But this is a very important recruit. There aren't many guys you recruit along the offensive line that you expect to start right away. Look at Joe Alt. Brian Kelly and his staff. Did not have him in the starting lineup early on during his freshman campaign. Midseason, 
with the offensive line being very inconsistent, the Irish put Alt at left tackle, and he's never left. And I remember thinking during that season and talking to you about the fact, did the coaching staff make the right move at the start of the year, not having this guy in the starting lineup, or did he need to be groomed a few more weeks? Hey, whatever the case may be, Joe all went from a three-star recruit to a reserve his freshman year, getting thrown into the starting lineup. One of the reasons why the team got better and they needed good offensive line play because back then, Jack Cohn was your starting quarterback and not exactly a guy that could move around briskly. You needed solid protection and Alt was one of the reasons why offensive line play got better. Now, of course, started every game last year, going into this year, considered to be a top 10 pick in next spring's NFL draft if, in fact, he decides to leave Notre Dame early. Chances are he will, and you know what? Let's hope he does, because if he leaves school early, more than likely he had a phenomenal All-American season protecting Sam Hartman's backside from the left tackle spot. But going back to Lambert, this could be a sign and plug into the starting lineup offensive tackle. He is that good. He is built already, physically strong, and there is a chance he might find his way into the starting lineup. That's why this was a very important weekend for the Fighting Irish, getting this guy out of the state of Massachusetts. Let him live a little bit. Come to Indiana. Enjoy yourself in northern Indiana for a few days. Get out of the fast-paced nature of the Boston area. So we'll see if the Irish can land Lambert. This is a tremendous offensive lineman with Ohio State and Penn State visits coming up. But, hey, it's a win for Notre Dame just getting him on campus out of the Northeast. Hat trick, topic number two, the retirement of one of the Notre Dame greats. Former Irish linebacker Manti Teo has called it a career eight years in the National Football League. He revealed his retirement on Saturday. He told TMZ Sports, quote, I'm playing a different game now. I'm trying to empower people, trying to inspire people. That's the game that I'm playing now, and I'm trying to be the best at that. He's also married with kids, and I'm sure he is enjoying spending time with the family now. But Manti, of course, had a tremendous career at the University of Notre Dame. Who could forget Charlie Weiss recruiting Manti Teo to South Bend, the kid from Hawaii who made his official visit when Notre Dame played Syracuse, and we basically had a blizzard leading up to the game. Didn't have a winter coat. That was the game where you basically had to dig yourself a spot to put your feet in the stands for that game. And to make matters worse, Notre Dame got upset that day by a very poor Syracuse football team. But Manti Teo ended up joining this Fighting Irish football program over kind of his dream school, USC, and his final year at Notre Dame almost won the Heisman Trophy was a finalist. The ball found him that year with all those interceptions and fumble recoveries, leading the Irish to the national championship game where 
they needed about 12 more Manti Teos as they lost to the Alabama Crimson Tide down in Miami as I sat next to my good friend Evan Sharpley that night down there in Miami after about three minutes of the game. We're like, yep. Well, it's been a fun week. We got a suntan. This is not going to end well. And sure enough, it did not. But Manti had a lot on his plate at that particular time with the whole girlfriend thing was going on behind the scenes. And it is amazing how things have changed in regard to that whole hoax. I mean, he was the laughing stock, unfortunately, for a long time. The Netflix series really helped him showed a different side of the story and you got to hear from Manti and then he came back to Notre Dame last year and it's one of the all-time moments as Manti came back and it was like the 70,000 fans at Notre Dame Stadium did a group hug of Manti who was standing on the field and he was down in the end zone and just moved to tears with how the Notre Dame family embraced him once again. It was a very, very cool moment. But for Manti and the NFL, it didn't go well with the Chargers, the team that drafted him. The 32-year-old Teo last played for the Bears during the 2020 season. His last game was the NFC wildcard game against the New Orleans Saints. Eight years in the NFL, he started 48 of 62 games with 338 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, and a fumble recovery. More well known for his collegiate career, but Manti Teo calling it quits in the NFL. I think we all knew he was done, but now it's official since he had not played since January 10th, 2020. And the third and final hat trick topic for tonight. A Seton Hall transfer joins the Fighting Irish men's basketball program. His name is Tay Davis, T-A-E. Coming out of high school, he was a three-star recruit in the 2022 recruiting cycle out of Warren Central High School in Indianapolis. He is 6'9", 205 pounds. Now, Davis spent one season in the Big East with the Seton Hall Pirates. He played in 32 games, but only averaged about 13 minutes a ball game, 2.8 points, and 2.8 rebounds a contest. Seton Hall got knocked out of the Big East tournament after one game. They were knocked off by DePaul, and Tay Davis in the postseason, nine minutes against DePaul, 0 of 3 from the field, 0 of 2 from the three-point line, no points, no rebounds, no assists, no steals. Seton Hall made it to the NIT, but they were one and done there as well as they fell to the Colorado Buffaloes. Davis in that NIT game, 10 minutes for Seton Hall, went 2 of 2 from the free-throw line, did not attempt a shot from the field, three rebounds, an assist, a block, and a turnover. This guy, Tay Davis, sort of falls into a category with several other Notre Dame basketball players. A lot of players coming from another team where they did not have a chance consistently to show what they could do over a basketball game. 
So there's a lot of unknowns or uncertainties about how good some of these guys are. Now for the Irish, they're up to 10 scholarship players. And the big guys up front, you got Kerry Booth, an outstanding recruit, son of a great college and NBA player, now NBA executive for the Denver Nuggets. You got Keba Jai from Penn State who had a lot of opportunities to start but didn't play a lot of minutes. Now this is a guy that Micah Shrewsbury knows very, very well. And you got Matt Zona back who kind of showed us something that ACC tournament game last year to end the year had a really good game. What can Coach Shrewsbury get out of Matt Zona? So there's a lot of parts to this team. We just don't know their full potential, but we're about to find out as these 10 scholarship players will have a great opportunity to get significant minutes with a Notre Dame basketball team that lost pretty much their entire roster after last season, coupled in with the departure after 23 years for head coach Mike Bray. So our hat trick of opening topics for tonight, the Irish Invasion successful, Manti Teo officially retires, and Notre Dame basketball adds another player, this time an Indiana kid, Tay Davis from Warren Central, who played at Seton Hall last year. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll get to our Twitter question of the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Also, we will get to the very interesting article that came out in Irish Illustrated, put together by Tim Priester, asking a lot of questions of former Irish coach Brian Poley and his thoughts on the shortcomings of Notre Dame football. That's on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. And now, the forecast from Blackthorn Golf. 18 holes of championship golf await you at blackthorngolf.com. Skies will be partly to mostly cloudy tonight with low temperatures in the upper 50s. On Tuesday, we're partly cloudy with a high of 80 degrees. Back to sunshine for our Wednesday with comfortable highs in the upper 70s. And on Thursday, we'll do the same again with mostly sunny skies and a high of 78. 80 degrees again for Friday with mostly sunny skies. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler. Thank you very much, Abby. 536 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Darren Pritchett with you. I want to spend a couple of moments on a very interesting article produced by Irish Illustrated's Tim Priester, who's covered Notre Dame football for a very long time. He's a young guy, but he's been covering the Irish for a very, very long time. And he had the chance to speak with former Fighting Irish special teams coach for Charlie Weiss and Brian Kelly, Brian Polian, who went down to LSU to be with Brian Kelly last year. Now he is an athletic director, so he has hung up the whistle 
at least for now. You might recall when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU and when Brian started to talk about going to LSU, one of the things that he mentioned were facilities. And one of the things that stood out was the fact the dining area for the players at LSU was so much more convenient than at the Goog at Notre Dame and the fact that LSU had a chef to take care of the football players. Well, in a very interesting article at Irish Illustrated, Polian paints a picture for us what it's like to be a football player at the University of Notre Dame in terms of trying to get a good meal, nutrition, the convenience or lack thereof at the Goog, which is the football facility for the Fighting Irish. Polian in the article was quoted as saying, The facility stuff is real. The football staff has outgrown the Goog. We outgrew the Goog. We didn't have enough meeting space for the players. We didn't have enough office space for the staff. We didn't have training table when I was there with Charlie. These poor guys were running off the field trying to make it to South Dining Hall before they closed it on them. Polian goes on to say, quote, the thought of that, hey, if it was good enough for Lou, it should be good enough for you guys, is outdated. Lou didn't need the beautiful indoor facilities. He made it work in Loftus. Lou didn't need a training table. But we have to acknowledge that times have changed and the Goog is outdated. It just is. To not acknowledge that is to set yourself up to fall behind, end quote. Now, the Goog, of course, came about, what, around, gosh, what has it been, 20 years ago now? And we have seen the new football facility come in across the street, which gives Notre Dame an indoor facility. You don't have the scramble to make all the scheduling work inside the Loftus Center. So this was a major, major addition for the Notre Dame football program. But it sounds like, according to Brian, there are still things that need to be taken care of. Polian, in this article with Irish Illustrated, goes on to say, quote, It's very simple. When Notre Dame feeds the football team, they clear out the recruiting lounge. They literally move the furniture, set up tables and folding chairs, and food that is prepared somewhere else on campus is brought over to the goo. It is elevated up or carried up the stairs. The staff and the nutritionists do the best job they can. The juxtaposition is LSU when there's a dedicated two-story dining facility that serves every student-athlete on campus. It's connected to the football building. It is full service. The kitchen is right there. The food is fresh, and there are plenty of choices. When you look at the way those two teams are fed, it's dramatically different. That speaks to the student-athlete experience. Again, reading from Brian Polian's comments from Irish Illustrated. And one final set of quotes. Notre Dame will win the battle more times than not by saying, listen, you're not coming here because of the dining facilities. You're coming here because of the stage we play on, the degree, the alumni network, and the brand recognition. A lot of times that is enough to overcome the shortcomings in other areas. 
but not always. Oftentimes, the difference is with a highly ranked football player that makes a difference. I'm not trying to be critical of the university or the administration, but these things are real. They're not mythical. I think the fans sometimes think that stuff doesn't matter. Yes, it does. So a very interesting article. And I think the fan base does understand the basics of this situation. I think we all talked about some of the challenges in front of Notre Dame once Brian Kelly made the comments after leaving Notre Dame and going to LSU and describing some of the convenience for the LSU players and enjoying a meal after practice compared to what Notre Dame has to do. I mean, Brian makes mention when the Notre Dame when Notre Dame feeds the football team, they clear out the recruiting lounge. They literally move the furniture, set up tables and folding chairs, and the food is prepared somewhere else on campus. That just doesn't feel like the high standard that Notre Dame has for everything on their campus, but you can only do what you can do with the building and the structures provided to the football team. So they are making it work. Is Notre Dame going to lose a five-star offensive tackle or a four-star quarterback over the dining situation? More than likely, that is not going to be the case. I highly doubt someone's going to make a final decision and say, you know what, the dining at Notre Dame wasn't as good at LSU, so I'm probably going to go to LSU. It's going to be more football-slash-educated type decisions being made, not the dining area, but that doesn't make us stop and think, hey, this needs to get better. Notre Dame wants to be excellent in everything that they do, and part of making the Notre Dame football players great is providing them with the best meals possible and the fact that the meals are being made elsewhere and then shipped over. You know, there, you would hope down the line there would be a better way that you would have a cooking facility within the football facility so that does not happen and the food is warm and ready to go right when the players come in to eat. You would like to void, as it was described as an example, players rushing to their dining facility just to get a meal before that closes down. So, again, I'm glad Brian talked about these things. I think most of us understood there does need to be some tweaking eventually. Some decisions have to be made in regard to what to do with the Goog. Do you expand it? Do you start all over? Those are decisions that are going to be made by people that make a lot more money and are smarter than us and understand what needs to be done at Notre Dame to give these players every opportunity to be successful. And if they are successful individually, chances are that will lead to success for the football team and hopefully getting back in position to win that first national championship since way back in 1988. But a good article, check it out, Irish Illustrated. Brian Polian giving his opinion on the current state of Notre Dame football and helping their football players get the type of meal that they need. And hopefully someday soon the recruiting lounge can be just the recruiting lounge and not a place for people to eat a meal. 
All right, 545 is our time. Sportsbeat comes back in a couple of moments with our Twitter question of the day. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. Brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for the Indiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ten minutes in front of 6 o'clock, Sportspeed on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the free WSBT Radio app. The Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions got their day at the White House today with President Biden and a great piece of video that came from that ceremony. You have that normal podium with the microphones with the presidential logo on it the presidential seal and biden is getting the chief's jersey that has biden 46 on it and it's being presented to him by travis kelsey and patrick mahomes well kelsey is closest to the microphones and after the presentation he walks over to the microphones now if you know travis kelsey he doesn't have a filter and during the championship celebrations in kansas city he gets a little wild And seeing that Kelsey wandered over to the microphones, Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't throw many interceptions, he intercepted Kelsey before he could say anything. He just kind of pushed him away, waved to the crowd, and got him out of there back with the rest of the team. Biden's watching this. He puts his hands up like, wait a minute, you're not going to talk? No, Mr. President, that probably would not be a very good thing. And Andy Reid in the background, you kind of get the feeling that He is very, very happy that Patrick Mahomes pushed away Travis Kelsey. We could have had an international incident at the White House today. Yeah, Andy Reid's like pointing to Kelsey like, no, 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 you don't want that, Mr. President. Let's Let's just keep things moving right along. The Chiefs did not get to celebrate their previous Super Bowl championship with all the COVID restrictions. So this is actually out of their two Super Bowl victories. This is the first time. They've had the chance to go to the White House to celebrate a Super Bowl championship. And fortunately, the runner-up, the Philadelphia Eagles, were not offered a trip to the White House like the Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball team was by the First Lady in a weird situation. LSU won the title, and they wanted to bring in the runner-ups. We don't do that, I don't think. We don't celebrate runner-ups, do we? Who celebrates runner-ups? I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, the Chiefs were there today, and they got their day with the president at the White House. 552 at WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, our Twitter question of the day from Friday was this. On Thursday's show, you voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. 50.7% said that Notre Dame would not average more than their 189.1 yards rushing per game from 2022. 
So with that being said, what is the number one reason why the Irish will not rush for as much as they did last year? If you voted that they wouldn't, why did you vote that way? And I feel like I came up with four good reasons why most people would say they would not rush for as many yards as they did the previous year. So here's what I came up with. Choice number one, new offensive coordinator philosophy. Choice number two, a better quarterback. Choice number three, a weaker offensive line. And choice number four, losing one of your starting running backs, Logan Diggs. Here are the results of our voting on Twitter. Coming in fourth place, getting 10% of the vote. One of the reasons why the Irish will not run it as well this year, you say a weaker offensive line. Now let's remember, you have as good of a pair of tackles that anybody has in the country in Blake Fisher and Joel. That's a pretty good place to start. You got your starting center back, so you feel good there. But the guard positions are going to be brand new in those jobs. I think most of us believe outside the Goog, they are still up for grabs going into fall camp. So, yeah, you're going to have two new offensive guards, but the other three spots you feel good about. And I think that's why only 10% went with a weaker offensive line. What's the number one reason why the Irish will not rush for as many yards as they did last year? Third place in the voting, getting only 13% of the vote. New offensive coordinator philosophy. We're not really sure yet how drastic of a difference there's going to be between Tommy Reese and Jared Parker. We do know that head coach Marcus Freeman has continued to say he wants to run the football He wants to be effective running the football. He wants to run the football well, even when the opposition knows that the Irish are going to run the football. You've got a difference at the quarterback position, which we'll get to in just a moment. That could change the philosophy a little bit of what this offense could be in 2023. So 13% went with new offensive coordinator philosophy. The number one reason why the Irish will not rush for as many yards this year. Second place in the voting. 14% of the vote. Losing Logan Diggs. Now, Logan Diggs went to the transfer portal and landed back in his home state of Louisiana with Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Diggs led the Irish last year in carries. Second in rushing yards to Audric Estime. When we came out of spring, and it wasn't too long after Diggs went to the portal, Estime and Diggs, 1A, 1B, as your starting running backs, I think you felt the same way about the running backs as you did the tackles, Alt and Fisher. We've got as good of a pair as anybody in the country. Now, Estime looked great in the spring, was Trimmed down a tad bit, but did not lose any power. Look quicker, but you lose digs to LSU. So now you have some unproven game players on the depth chart. You add a player from Penn State that might help you. But Diggs was a very reliable player and probably an underrated player 
on this football team because so many fans admired Audric Estime because he had that Jerome Bettis look to him. Diggs looked kind of normal, if you know what I mean, compared to Estime. So 14% believe losing Logan Diggs will be the reason why the Irish will not rush for as many yards this year. But winning the vote handily, 63% believe the number one reason the Irish will not rush for as many yards this year as last year is a better quarterback. Sam Hartman is your guy this year who shattered all of the Wake Forest passing records. He holds several ACC passing records. And he replaces two quarterbacks that were not championship-level football players last year. In fact, you could argue Drew Pine was just barely a winning quarterback. Tommy Reese did do a really good job of making the offense work with a quarterback that just didn't have the skill set to properly run this entire Fighting Irish package. Now, with that being said, the offensive coordinator was the quarterback coach, and he was in charge of recruiting when Brian Kelly was here, the quarterback position. So Tommy kind of put himself in that spot, but did pretty good getting what he could out of Drew Pine, who is now at Arizona State, while Tyler Buckner, the other guy, he's now at Alabama, and Sam Hartman replaces those two. It is a major upgrade. It is a massive upgrade. You have a championship-caliber quarterback who had to learn the new system, had to learn how to come from behind center and take the snap, being in a huddle. There was a lot going on in the spring, but at the end of spring, he came on. He dazzled us in the blue-gold game showing us what he could do possibly this fall, and I believe he will for this fighting Irish football team. So the number one reason why the Irish may not rush for as many yards is not a negative for the running game. It could be because the passing game might be good enough to take away some of those rushing yardage. But it also goes back to one of the other choices, offensive coordinator philosophy. How much do the Irish leave the running game in order to take advantage of Sam Hartman at the quarterback position. We'll start to find out August the 26th when the Irish go across the pond to take on the United States Naval Academy. Hear every Irish football game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, we've reached the top of the hour. One hour in the books, one hour to go. We'll take a timeout. A sports update is coming up in just a couple of moments, and then we'll get to the five biggest winners of the weekend and we'll talk some Colts football we'll talk about action on the field but also a story that popped up this afternoon where one member of the Colts is in some hot water reportedly right now six o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend if you have been you can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Tonight's program brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the food bank of Northern Indiana and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. 
11 minutes after 6 o'clock. Welcome to the second hour of the program. Are you hungry? Enjoy award-winning jumbo wings, awesome appetizers, delicious burgers, and a great selection of ice-cold beer at a Wings Etc. Grill and Pub location near you. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And here we go with today's My Five, which is the five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Not going to go into a lot of specifics here, but Notre Dame football had a very successful Irish invasion this weekend. Some of the best players in high school from across the country come to South Bend to work out in a camp in front of Notre Dame coaching staff members. And the Irish had some really interesting players on campus. Read all about it at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike Singer will get you caught up, as well as Kyle Kelly at blueandgold.com. You might want to check out an interesting read on 2025 wide receiver Derek Meadows, who impressed 6'6", 195 out of the great Bishop Gorman High School program in Las Vegas. And Gerby Lambert, the outstanding five-star offensive tackle recruit. We got him out of the state of Massachusetts. He visited Notre Dame. How did it go? Read all about it at blueandgold.com. Mike and Kyle have the latest on Notre Dame football recruiting. Number four, Penn Baseball, Penn Softball, and New Prairie Softball. They had some exciting games this weekend. We'll start with the Penn Baseball team who down Laporte 6-2 to win another regional championship, and now they advance on to the Laporte Semi-State where they will face a great rival and foe, Lake Central. Penn upset Lake Central last year en route to the state championship. Now Lake Central has a chance to get a little revenge. They'll meet in Laporte on Saturday, the other semi-state semifinal, Homestead versus Hamilton Southeastern. Then you have the Penn softball team who won their two semi-state games. They beat Harrison 4-3, and they knocked off Lake Central 5-1. So the Lady Kingsmen in the 4A state title game against Ron Colley Saturday at 7 o'clock at Purdue's softball facility in West Lafayette. That's 4A action. Now in 3A, New Prairie. Their softball team drilled Hanover Central 12-2 and then top Leo 1-0 to get to the 3A state championship game. And New Prairie will take on Tri-West Henricks Friday at 8 o'clock at Purdue University down in West Lafayette. Good luck to Penn Softball and New Prairie Softball trying to bring home a couple of state championships to northern Indiana. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another big winner of the weekend well you got to start somewhere not saying this is going to lead to bigger and better things but it's a start the Chicago White Sox swept the Detroit Tigers at guaranteed rate field of the weekend three nothing on Friday two to one on Saturday and then the walk-off grand slam by Jake Berger on Sunday catapulted the White Sox to a 6-2 win over the Tigers. Now the first place Minnesota Twins lost Saturday and Sunday, so the White Sox picked up a couple of games on the Twinkies 
And now the Sox are within five and a half of first place in the AL Central. To make things look a little better, in this bad division, anything goes. You're only two games now behind Cleveland and Detroit, who are currently tied for second place in the AL Central. Those two teams are three and a half in back of the first place Twins. Let's see if the White Sox can build on their success taking down the Tigers. Stern challenge coming up starting tomorrow. Three-game series at Yankee Stadium. The White Sox will take on Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees. Number two. Another big winner of the weekend, the Miami Heat. It sure seemed like after game one of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets might dispose of the Heat rather quickly en route to their first NBA championship. Not so fast, my friend. Even though Denver went on a 25-9 run in the second quarter, the Heat came all the way back, and they outscored the Nuggets in the fourth quarter last night, 36-25, and Miami stole game two in the Mile High City, 111-108. So the series is now tied at one, going back to South Beach. Great performance by the Miami offense, production across the board. Gabe Vincent with 23, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo with 21. But coming off the bench, 10 key points from Duncan Robinson. Heat 111, Nuggets 108, and now the series is on. The old saying is the series doesn't start until the road team wins a game. Well, the road team took game number two, and the series is now on in the NBA Finals as that series goes to South Beach with Game 3. That's going to come your way Wednesday night. Number one. And the number one winner of the weekend. Let's stay in-state and enjoy the success of a Hoosier team. Not the Indiana Hoosiers, but a Hoosier State team. The Indiana State Sycamore baseball team. They have been highly ranked throughout the year. They got the opportunity to host a regional, and boy, did they cash in. The Sycamores went 3-0 to win the Terre Haute Regional, including a pair of wins over the Big Ten's Iowa Hawkeyes. Yesterday, the Sycamores won the regional by downing Iowa 11-8. So now Indiana State 45-15 on the season. Validation by getting to host a regional and winning it. And the only other time Indiana State has won a regional, 1986. Where were you in 1986? Well, the Sycamores were enjoying a regional championship. And on that team, there was a freshman second baseman who didn't play a whole lot from what I understand that year, but would go on to be a four-year letter winner with the Sycamores and ended up being one of the program's top players of all time. Oh, by the way, he's now their head coach, Mitch Hannes, enjoying his second regional victory, one as a player, and now one as a head coach. So now the Sycamores are going to wait and see what happens next because they are tied into the Fayetteville Regional, where the number three overall seed, the Arkansas Razorbacks, are hosting. And the Razorbacks needed to win two games today to get out of their own regional. 
They had lost to LSU something like 20 to 5 over the weekend. Well, Arkansas lost today to TCU. The Horn Frogs took down the Razorbacks by a final score of 12 to 4. So it seems like that Indiana State will now host a Super Regional, which is a best of three showdown. The winner goes to the College World Series. So it would appear it will be TCU at Indiana State with a spot at the College World Series on the line. So it's not out of the question. We might have a team from the state of Indiana in the College World Series two straight years. Notre Dame got it done last year. And Indiana State's trying to do it. And don't forget about the Indiana Baseball Club. The Hoosiers are taking on Kentucky. If only it was a basketball game. Let's get it done, boys. Get back on the hardwood. But we'll settle for baseball right now. And I believe Indiana, if they win this game against Kentucky, they advance to the Super Regional. Kentucky's got to beat them twice. And right now, in the bottom of the first inning down in Lexington, it is Indiana 1 and Kentucky nothing. A lot of rain that has caused problems in these regionals. And with all these regionals basically being in the southeast or the south, the same system hit a lot of these locations. So we have a ton of regional action taking place today. Florida advanced to the Super Regional, the number two team of the country. They beat Texas Tech. Six to nothing. I mentioned TCU won. LSU, number five of the country. They're on to the Super Regionals. They beat Oregon State 13-7. Southern Miss beat Penn 11-7. The controversial hosting was given to Auburn. Many people believe Auburn did not deserve to host a regional. They got the benefit of the doubt, and they were one of the first team ousted in their own regional. Southern Miss beat Penn today 11-7, so Southern Miss Moves on to the Super Regionals. Coastal Carolina and Duke are playing right now. A&M and Stanford later tonight. Great, great couple of weeks for baseball fans with the NCAA tournament underway. And, man, did we have fun last year following Link Jarrett and the Irish baseball team winning a regional, then knocking off the number one team in the country, Tennessee and Knoxville, and then getting to the College World Series once again. Link left for Florida State. He's in a major rebuild down there in Tallahassee. They did not even make the ACC tournament down in Charlotte this year. But you would have to imagine it won't be too much longer. Link will have that seminal program rolling once again. It sounds like it was at the bottom of the barrel after Mike Martin Jr. took a hold of that program that his dad made so famous. And Link has a lot of cleanup to do with that program, but how precise he is in everything that he does. I mean, I was amazed how well he prepared the Irish baseball team last year and getting them to the College World Series. His prep and the way they delivered the prep was second to none. It was hard to lose him, but he got to go home to his alma mater. Mom and dad, family are down there. So rather than that Long, awkward trip from South Bend to Tallahassee to see family. He can just drive the car right across the street to see them. So good for Link, and I have a feeling Florida State will be ready to roll here very, very soon. That's our My Five for today. Go get them Sycamores. Maybe we'll see Indiana State in the College World Series. 623 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
29 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Just down the hallway from our WSBT studios is our friends at 96.1 The Ton. And 96.1 The Ton is your home for Indianapolis Colts football once again this fall. A rebuild underway in Indianapolis focused on getting quarterback Anthony Richardson to a level that he can really help this football team, the number four overall pick in the draft out of Florida. Colts had some options at the quarterback position in that draft. They went with the young man from Florida, and they're going to try to turn him into a dual-threat quarterback that will scare the daylights out of defenses in the National Football League, maybe in a fashion that we have seen Jalen Hurts do in Philadelphia for the Eagles. And a guy that worked with Jalen Hurts day in and day out is Shane Steichen. He is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and he is hoping to groom Richardson into that type of a threat at the quarterback position. So Richardson has went through some rookie camps and now working in OTAs with Indianapolis. Now, you've got two quarterbacks that they're working with right now, and it all starts with Richardson, but Gardner Minshew might be the short-term answer at the quarterback position until Richardson is ready. Gardner knows the Eagles' offense that Steichen helped run there in Philadelphia extremely well. He was the backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Colts fans might remember Gardner being the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars before they went out and drafted Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. So Steichen bringing that Eagles offense to Indianapolis and hoping that Anthony Richardson is the answer at the quarterback position, a position that has been, well, a revolving door ever since the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck. So here is Steichen on how things are going with Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis OTAs. He's been good. You know, I think with anything, you know, guys are going to make mistakes here and there, um, but you learn from them. You know what I mean? I think he's done a great job of learning from those mistakes and trying not to make those same mistakes twice. You know, I think that's the biggest thing with all players is don't make the same mistake twice, and it's our job as coaches uh, to coach him up uh, and get it right. But he's had a great mindset. Here's what I think we all should be interested in seeing, the accuracy of Richardson as he gets comfortable in this Colts offense. It wasn't like he was – a guy with a high completion percentage at Florida last year. He was in the low 50s. That's a number that's not going to work in the NFL. We know the athleticism. You turn on the tape, some of the great plays from Richardson. He's got the ability to throw on the run, throw off balance, make awkward throws. The arm strength is really something that catches your eye. These wide receivers for Indianapolis, they better have their hands ready because that football has some heat on it coming out of the hand of Richardson. Now, one thing that Steichen wants to bring to Indianapolis, and that is the big play, getting the ball down the field to the Colts wide receivers like Michael Pittman Jr. Another really good option is Alec Pierce, the second-year wide receiver out of the University of Cincinnati. Deep ball, big play. That seems to define what Pierce can bring to this Colts football team. So it seems like that is a relationship that should go pretty well. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we definitely want to be able to stretch the field vertically, uh, create explosives on offense, especially in the passing game. Um, 
you know, that's something I think, you know, that, that reflects my game. That's, I think, what my strengths are as a receiver. So, you know, I really hope to be that guy in the offense. What's been your first impression of Anthony Richardson so far? You know, he's a super incredible athlete. Uh, you can just see, and, and the, ball just, the ball just flies off his hand. So it's going to be exciting to see him develop and see what he can do. That is Colts wide receiver Alec Pierce going into his second year, and he was asked what he took away from his rookie campaign that will help help him be even better in 2023. Yeah, I think I definitely needed to um, work more on my, my route running, the top of routes, uh, creating separation. And then another thing, too, is just kind of taking care of my body. Um, it's a long it's a long season and just being able to you know kind of stay strong and keep playing your best ball towards the end of the year and not you know let your body kind of deteriorate you got to really be on top of that did you feel that as the season went along last year um i i don't know if i necessarily felt it but i think looking back on the film i, I feel like i look i looked like i was a little bit um like you just i just wasn't moving as good as i was early in the season whether that just be you know the uh, lots of de- long days adding up, you know, lots of practices, all that. So I think I need to – I've been working on creating a routine, you know, and, and trying to stay on top of that for my body. Well, Pierce last year, 41 catches for 593 yards. He had a couple of touchdown receptions, averaged 14.5 yards per reception. His best game was that Colt Thursday night game in Denver. Pierce went nine catches for 81 yards. You know, you have political campaign ads where one politician just kind of torches the other candidate in their ads. If anybody wants to gang up on the NFL and do that type of commercial, show the Colts Broncos highlights from last year as a political ad to trash the NFL. It would work very well because Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson looked like two guys that couldn't be high school quarterbacks in that particular game. That was one of the more miserable NFL games and for those of us that are either Colt or Bronco fans it probably was 50 times worse than the average fan trying to watch that particular football game now one thing that Shane Steichen is going to do differently than the previous coaching staffs in Indianapolis during fall camp he is going to be involved in two weeks in which the Colts will work out with an opposition they call it joint practices now Recently, the Colts have only done one of those, but Steichen announced that the Colts are actually going to do two joint practices this fall, one with the Chicago Bears and one with Steichen's old team, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think, yeah, I, think I definitely thing, needed I, to. Um, it, we did two work more, uh, you know, in my Philly as much as we routes. could. I just kind of think doing two different deals with two different teams is really good, and I know the players enjoy it, the coaches enjoy it. Like I said, it kind of breaks up camp and the competition uh, just to see different looks. Uh, does it help for the quarterback? Absolutely. You know, you're seeing a different front structure sometimes depending on who you're playing. Coverage is on the back end. There's a whole bunch of different things that go into it, but it definitely helps us as a football team, I believe. In Philly, when you did that and you, you really work hard in practice those two days, do you ease up during the game then? Maybe the front line doesn't play as much? Yeah, definitely. That, those are conversations that, you know, I'll have with the staff, you know, obviously uh, throughout the summer and going into training camp uh, of how we're going to break that up from a preseason rep standpoint and how we're going to play with the starters and stuff. Well, the good news for Gardner and or Anthony, who are going to play the quarterback position for the Colts, they can lean on what should be a really good running game that was elite two years ago, took a step back last year due to the mediocre play of the offensive line, and also running back Jonathan Taylor getting banged up, missing action. Everything just unraveled for the Colts 
on the offensive side of the football. So it is a fresh start. It is a reboot as the Colts look to get Anthony Richardson ready to be their quarterback. You've got an elite running back in Jonathan Taylor that can rush between the tackles. He can catch the football, good blocker. You spent a ton of money up front with that offensive line led by Notre Dame's Quentin Nelson at the left guard position. It wasn't good enough last year. Expect that unit to be better. The wide receiving core, Pittman and Pierce are your main two guys. That's a pretty good combination. Eventually, maybe you're going to upgrade more at that spot. But right now, it's getting that offensive line back together, taking pressure off the quarterbacks by unleashing another elite running game on the rest of the National Football League. And then you take care of the quarterback position from there. But will it be Gardner Minshew early on? How quickly can the Colts get Anthony Richardson ready? It might be a situation where they use both early on in the season. You don't want to waste Richardson's running tools, his athleticism. You figure out a way to find him some packages that he can handle. And as time goes on, you would have to imagine Richardson will get the reins of this Colts offense. And once again, you can hear Colts football this fall on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. 6.40 is our time. More sports beat coming up in just a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 